When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. Tuesday afternoon, it's the morning afternoon after the day before. Um, I'm joined by Lawrence and Colin. Happy New Year to both of you guys. Happy New Year to all our listeners and happy Christmas. I've not been on, um, a few of us haven't been on, I think, since mm-hmm. uh, Santa popped down the chimney and delivered uh, more three points for Celtic uh, over that winter festive period. The game against St Johnson, Easter Road, and then the draw yesterday. We got out of Ibrox unscathed. Um, we're still nine points clear at the top of the table, so do wrap up if you are out in Govan. Colin, good new year. Um, you know, right into it. It wasn't the best Celtic performance that we've seen. Um, a lot of people are saying it's the worst we've been this season, even poorer than that St Mun game. But for me, getting at the game, it was just all about you know staying at the top of the table and, and keeping whether it be nine point gap or a twelve point gap. Uh, if you listen to Michael Beale, it could have been a three point gap. <laughs> Um, but no, genuinely, it was so important yesterday um, to come out of that with at least something. Um, and for long spells of that second half, I thought we were going to come away with absolutely nothing because we were we were pretty poor. We weren't creating anything. If you take a look at the stats, two shots on target, two goals. I mean, that sounds clinical, but in a game like that, normally there's the odd chance here and there that kind of 
you think, oh, that's going to come back and bite us, but we didn't really have anything like that at all. Um, we just sort of lacked the the sort of urge going forward to create something. And I don't know what it comes down to, whether it comes down to the fact that we've been playing so many games in such a short period of time since we came back. Um, I don't know what it was yesterday, but um, obviously delighted with that sort of nearly last-minute equaliser because it does continue that mantra of, we'd never stop. And it has shown now that it doesn't matter if it's a, an equaliser or a winner, this team will fight to the end. And that's exactly what we haven't seen from Celtic teams in the past. And it's great to see it installed in this Celtic team now. That's important. Um, and obviously, you know, you're saying if you're listening to Michael Bale, if you'd have been listening to Stephen Gerrard during his time in Glasgow, remember he was wanting games to finish at 80 minutes. So Celtic would have obviously <laughs> get beaten yesterday. Lawrence, I, I was quite surprised because being at the game, you know, like, like Colin said, you always think that we're going to score. We always think we're going to have that chance in us. Our performance didn't reflect that, but yet again, we pop up with a goal. Um, you're a, a great believer um, in, in Celtic. Did you have that feeling that we were always going to get that chance at the end to, to try and grab something for the game or were you a wee bit nervy towards the end of the game? No, I, I thought we'd still get it. Listen, in seven minutes, I thought we, we could still create something. Yeah. You know, I don't think they were even in the game. It was like a training ground exercise up until Hart has his, uh, gives us all a wee bit of a heart attack, you know. So up until then, it, it looked more or less a training ground exercise, didn't it? You know, on possession, you know, we, we didn't get as many shots as we normally do, but possession, you know, just over 60% possession away from home. And in a game that, you know, all we had to do was not lose, which we achieved. Yeah. Uh, you know, Greg Taylor obviously they all hampered us, give us four defender, right foot defenders. They got a bit of joy up against Juranovic. Yeah, probably you know, there, there were some decisions that were yeah. Should could maybe even just have been looked at instead of refusal to look at them. But yeah. Oh no, you know, you've got to be happily appointing and nine points clear at the beginning of the year. Lawrence, you've already mentioned you've already mentioned it, but we've got to talk about Joe Hart. Yesterday, Declan. I mean, could he have done anything for the goals? I wouldn't say so, but his sort of lack of command of his area, it brought them back into the game because as Lawrence was saying, for the first 20 odd minutes, once we'd got the goal, we were strolling, we were creating a lot of chances, we were pinning them back. Um, and then at that point, once you've got a stadium like Ibrooks silent, you need to keep it silent. You have to stop them because realistically, and Celtic know it as well, if you get 60,000 behind you at Parkhead, that's a 12th man. Now, I don't know how many men they had yesterday because some people will tell you the VER and the refs and all that all count in there as well, but when they've got 50,000 behind them, that's an intimidating atmosphere. And Hart is one of our more experienced players, really has to step up. He's been involved in major European tournaments. He's been involved in World Cups, Euros. He's played at the highest level. And it was almost as if he was scared to come out off his line yesterday. And that's not what you need in a game like that. There was a number of moments, Colin, you know, we know that Rangers like to fire balls into the box. There was a good few where you're thinking, just come and collect the ball. Yep. You know you can do it. And he stood in his line. But that moment, you know, Tony's highlighted it here, 25, 26 minutes, whenever it was. I don't know what he's doing. And we know that this Celtic team like to play out for the back, Lawrence. But as Colin rightly says, you know, he's the most experienced player in this team. And making an error like that, which I think really did change the game. You obviously mentioned Greg Taylor going off. I thought that impacted us, but we'll get on to talk about 
that kind of balance in defence when you had two right-footed players playing your left side of defence. But that mistake from Hart just seemed to give Rangers that wee bit of hope because he did absolutely nothing in the game up until then. We'd got what we were hoping for, that early goal through Dyes and Maeda. And as Colin says, when you're up against it, when you've got the atmosphere against you, we had Quiet and Dybrooks, that got them all back off their seats and then they started to come back and go into the game a wee bit. Yeah, it seemed to give them a bit of belief that you know they might be able to get something. Up until that point, you know, it, was, it was really comfortable. You know, I, I thought Hart's just got to move it quicker. You know, track and keep it as he is. He, he does have these moments, doesn't he, throughout the season? But we've drawn one loss one so far in the league. You know, it's not huge, but if he doesn't do that. I don't see him coming back into the game. It, it, it was close to me. I was thinking, this is training ground. This is as easy as I've seen get, you know, a game at Ibrox because they were just off on nothing up until then. And yeah, it, it seemed to spark the crowd and it, and the team fed off of that. So, yeah, Joe, yeah, come on, mate. Yeah, yeah, you know, I know you've pulled us out on occasions, but far for that, I, I think we'd easily got the three points. I, th- I think it was so pivotal in the game uh, what was happening and it, it, and it was absolutely out of nothing hmm. so yeah just wake up Joe because uh, he, he just seemed to be as if he was sleeping I don't know if he was getting so bored who knows but uh, yeah it wasn't very commanding in his box either there was a couple of times he did come for it but he, he let the player get in front of him thank God he didn't get it in target but yeah he, 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 he needs to up his concentration shall we say because that was you know it was, it was bordering and criminal wasn't it yeah, it was. And, and Colin, you know, I think a lot of people were looking at an incident like that. And other times he's maybe looked a wee bit too cool, um, you know, with the ball at his feet in the box and saying, you know, is that an area of the park that Celtic do need to be looking at possibly in the summer months mm-hmm. to take us to that next level of football? Because, you know, we keep going back to it. Joe Hart has been an absolutely fantastic signing for Celtic since he came in. He brought that experience, that leadership. It was important to his last season. He's been important this season. But if we're possibly wanting to go to that next level, and do the things that the manager wants his goalkeeper to do, is it going to be that person for us? I don't think so. Obviously, the, the experience that he brings is second to none, right? But when he can't put that experience into action on the park, then you're thinking, right, the next thing that you could possibly do is use that experience to bring through the next big player. Mm-hmm. Now, we've just spoke about the kind of future of guys like Toby Olawayemi, we've seen uh, Benji Segrist coming through and it was interesting seeing Segrist wasn't on the bench yesterday. I never actually found out what happened to him, I don't know if it was an illness or what it was. Um, but I, I really want to see Segrist, at least for the second half of this season, pushing Joe Hart for that number one slot. Otherwise, what's, what's the point? I mean, he's a great goalkeeper, we've seen it. Out with um, Celtic, he would be number one choice at every other club in the league. So he's got to try and push uh, Joe Hart, whether it's a case of Ange sees Hart as his number one and until he makes a, a terrible mistake, he'll never be dropped, then that that's on the, the manager. But I'd, I'd love to see Segrist getting a bit of a run of it. Um, and as you say, looking ahead to that, could he be the guy to take us forward in Europe? Could he be the guy to take us forward in the league? I'm not sure, um, but you can't tell because he's not had a run yet. So although there's people saying maybe we need a new goalkeeper, I'd like to see Segrist at least get a chance first before we take a look at that. So it could be, as you say, the summer before you change it. 
Okay, it could be, you know, John's come in here in the comments, he said that he believes that the next priority sign has to be a keeper. Lawrence, what's your take on that? I still think that, that, that Celtic need a striker and, and, and possibly just looking at, you know, George's Yakimakis coming on yesterday. We've heard every uh, mumble and grumble about him. If he's, you know, we're not at a situation in the goalkeeping department but we know that Joe Hart's wanting actively probably out of the club. Um, so for, for me, it's probably looking at a striker next, but would you agree that possibly to take Celtic to that next level or for looking at European football next season in the summer months a, a goalkeeper might need to be a priority for us yeah, I, I think definitely strikers where we're looking just now you know, we're, we're looking at South Korean but probably apparently talks from going there's apparently Slovak there's probably uh, there's probably Norway so there's a few strikers being linked but with Joe Hart it's kind of he's not going to go on forever so we need to start planning for him leaving you know, that was a big moment in the game. Uh, it, it didn't, you know, arguably cost us two points. You know, you, you might say it didn't cost us because, you know, we, we got away with a point, but I, I think that's cost us two points. That's really sparked him into life. Uh, so, yeah, you, you'd want to have a look and see what Seagrass is going to give us. Uh, we know Andrew's got the scouts working much like his team. You know, they never stop. They will be out there looking and seeing who's available. Will Toby make it? I don't know, but you know, how long realistically does Hart have left? And I'm 18 months at a push, maybe. So, yeah, it's something we've definitely got to be planning for and, and, and trying to identify whether it's Seagrest or someone else comes up on the radar to come in and replace Hart because that happens a lot with Joe at the ball his feet, doesn't it? You know, he, he gives us a scare. Doesn't often, often causes, cost us, but I think it cost us yesterday. Colin, just in terms of, you know, Seagrass, I, I think that the biggest thing you see in the squad at this point in time is players that are pushing each other and you like yeah. that in a Celtic team yeah. that there's not, you know, maybe apart from Kyogre at this point in time, I've already, you know, touched on Yakimakis, knows that they're a, a stick on to play, you know, each and every game. But certainly in the, the goalkeeping department, you know, Seagrass has played for Celtic in the League Cup this season, but yeah. it seems to be, you know, Hart has nailed on, which, you know, you want a number one keeper throughout the season, but you also want to know that that, that backup is pushing for it, which just doesn't seem to be the case just now. Yeah, it's it's quite surprising as well because he, he came in with this um, sort of mantra that he wasn't going to play second fiddle. He wanted to fight for the jersey. And now you're kind of sitting here in January and you're going, you've played two games, that's, that's not really pushing for the jersey. There's never been a point where it's been maybe like the time where we play, we're playing three games a week in November. And you're thinking, right, Seagrass might come in for one of these games and just show what he's got. Maybe it'd be one of the home games. But you're sitting here now and you're two weeks away from a semi-final. You're then, what, another week away from another Scottish Cup tie. If you go with the fact that Seagrass is your cup goalkeeper, you'd expect him to play in both of those games against yeah. Kilmarnock and against Morton. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in between that, you've got, what... Um, the well. So the, the games like that, you're thinking, right, this is maybe his chance to, to claim a stake to Jersey. And if he goes on and keeps three clean sheets, then it's going to be very difficult to see him then being dropped out again. Um, as you say, Joe Hart, he's, he's got all this experience. He's played at the highest level. Um, but I just, I felt as though he, he just didn't want to come off his line yesterday. He felt as if it just wasn't the right, kind of time for him to come off and do it and if you don't put that confidence from your goalkeeper into a back four especially a back four yesterday that was very sort of um, 
I'd say new to an extent with Juranovic at left back coming on for Taylor, uh, Alistair Johnson making his debut. You need the confidence in your goalkeeper for that to brush into your back four as well. Otherwise, when they're coming forward, do you trust your goalkeeper to play it back to them? It's just one of those ones, Declan, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Lawrence, what's your take on this one? You know, we'll go into the defence now, and Robert's going in the comments to see here if Burnaby was good fit enough for the bench, why did they not replace Taylor? He believes that but was not acceptable. But yesterday, standing there, I wanted Juranovic to come on. I thought, you know, he'd already played left back at Ibrox before. That's a sub I would have made. In hindsight, now, probably not. But, you know, managers get paid to make big calls. He didn't have a great performance at all. He was arguably Celtic's worst man in the park, Josip Juranovic. But, you know, again, something that you've mentioned, Lawrence, is the balance at the back four that he ended up with two right footed players in the left side of your defence. Yeah, I think it's maybe bro- bringing him on because he's looking, you know, you're 1 0 up, aren't you? So mm-hmm. I think he's better. He thought he's better defensively than Bernabe. And he's maybe the look at that and thought, that's why I'm, I'm bringing your Aranovic on over Bernabe. As you say, hindsight, yeah, you'd love to have seen what Bernabe could have done with you because your Aranovic didn't do much. They, they really seem to target him. They get a bit of joy out of it. You know, they get. Well, we say more good fortune with her penalty. So we say, you know, it's debatable. You know, I've looked at it a few times and I'm not convinced it's a penalty. Obviously, the ref never needs to look at these things at Ibrox to decide it's a penalty. But uh, yeah, I, I think hindsight, yeah, the late testing Bernabe one, but I can understand why Ange made this up. You're one up. I think it's better defensively than Bernabe. And he thought, yeah, I can rely on you. You've done it at Ibrox in this position. So yeah, on you go. Colin, do you think right call for the manager? I certainly wanted him to bring Juranovic on. I actually was surprised to see Johnson um, start yesterday. I thought Johnson had a really great debut, um, especially getting thrown in there. It was the first time you know he played for Celtic. Um, you know, thrown into a derby game always difficult, but I thought Johnson had a decent game. But would that have been the sub you'd have made bringing on Juranovic um, on that left hand side? Yeah, at the time I was saying it was Juranovic is probably the best option, um, just for the fact that he had the experience. Um, and obviously he's played there before in this game, so you're thinking, right, okay, not a straight like for like, but at least it offers that security to the back four. Um, but yeah, yesterday I don't know what it was with Juranovic. He just didn't seem to be himself. New, and I've new year that. wine, possibly, Colin. I think he was maybe still on it. Well, it could have been uh, either that or his, his head was somewhere else. Do you know what mm. I mean? Um, it, it must be difficult because... He has received a lot of attention for his great performances in the World Cup. And when you know that these teams are sort of circling around you and he is at that stage in his career where he's probably got one big move left in him. Um, and you can say, right, it's, it's easy enough to put that behind you in a game like uh, like that yesterday. But some players don't have the mental cap- uh, capability to do so and it doesn't look as if he does as well. I know he's obviously had a bit of an injury. He missed the third, fourth place playoff. Um, but yeah, the, the question for Burnaby is, what more does he have to do? I mean, if if Juranovic is genuinely carrying an injury, if his head's not in the right space, the gaffer knows that. Mm-hmm. So, Burnaby, what what is he there to do? I mean, it's a lot of money that we've invested into someone like Alexander Burnaby. For him not to be trusted in that position yesterday, it takes me back to... Um, right at the start of Andrew's run when we used to kind of pack the bench with 
guys from the New Lennon era that we knew were never going to get a sniff. So that when we were kind of struggling towards the end of the games, we were like, right, maybe a Yeti's going to get 10 minutes here. Maybe Soro's going to get 10 minutes here. And but hopefully they get never, if you've got them in your coupon. Well, that as well. <laughs> but they never, ever came off the bench. They were just there to make the numbers up. And I wonder if that is the case with some of these players just now. Obviously, Andy's looking at bringing in the right sort of players um, that he wants. Obviously, Awata couldn't get his international clearance in time. We saw Kobayashi on the bench, Johnson starts. So you're thinking, right, he's accepted that these players aren't going to be part of his first team plans going forward. But he still needs nine players on the bench. Does he go to players like that or does he go to players like Vata and Boston Lowell, who we've seen on the bench um, beforehand? It was almost a case of Burnaby was there yesterday to make the numbers up. Yeah, absolutely. And just to bring in Kevin from the penalty spot to let us know that Angel also confirmed that JJ was not 100% pre-match yesterday. But as you say, Colin, you know, the manager knew that going into the game. He made that sub in the game. So it kind of makes you wonder a wee bit, you know, Burnaby's place in the, the, the team. Because you'd imagine now that if Taylor's going to be out for a wee while, um, Burnaby needs to get a run of game time now. You know, you, yeah. you need to turn him and let him play football. And it'll be interesting to see what, what comes of that. Um, but, you know, it would have been interesting to see what happened in the whole game and Burnaby came on. But again, it's, it's hindsight, you know, it happens. I, I thought that changed the game a bit for us too. Taylor um, was fairly decent uh, for a while. I thought Taylor has been played the season yesterday, enhanced that for me. I don't know if this comment comes from a former music teacher and Taylor's performance or his um, wee comment to Alfredo as he was helped off the... The, the, the what, what was the same then? I, I, I don't know, Lawrence. Do you know what? what? See, see, as a, a fellow um it was a very uh, common term of phrase that we've used down here. Um, so you it, can relate it, it was basically told to, in no certain terms, shut your hole and lose a bit of weight. Uh, we've been all told very that. Well put, Colin. Well put. Uh, all told that down this way um, but no, Greg Taylor I agree, Greg Taylor's been one of our standout performers this year uh, by a country mile, um, but I tell you what hands up and congratulations to the team at T for Tims because within about 90 minutes of that game being finished they were already selling that on a t-shirt, yep. so that, that is very quick, the printers must have been working overtime because yesterday's a bank holiday that's it. And are you the commission for, for getting that wee shoot out there, Colin? Uh, uh, getting a, a cut of us, uh, ten percent off you use code. No, I'm kidding. Uh, Did yep. you say there was a delay in a registration? Oh, oh. hey, Lawrence, you <laughs> could jump on that, mate. Well, <laughs> I thought you were going to say if you use the code Fat Boy, but I don't know if that would probably work. <laughs> um, Lawrence, you know, we were talking about the Celtic defence. Um, Bring in Drew here, Cameron Carter is absolutely outstanding. And I thought Stafford had a fairly decent game. I see there's mixed reaction to him in the, the comments. But what's your take, firstly, in the, the, oh. the penalty with Starfield? The first viewing, I thought I could be a pen. But, you know, with technology these days, refs aren't rushed into giving decisions. You, you don't get the, the luxury of, of viewing it again. On viewing it again, if there's contact, you know, he's standing on on Starfield's foot. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet, but if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. 
Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home Internet. Cox is the real home Internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. To say we're soft, eh, and I don't really think covers it. I think, you know, on Europe, it's going to be I wouldn't expect it to be, to be given. But, yeah, big car and immense again helped out, you know. I think Starfield having Juranovic on his left-hand side for part of the game didn't help him, whereas no. Kraken, yeah. Debut from from a right back, uh, so yeah. But on on the parent staff, well, I, I think if that goes to bar, but that's what I think. If it's in the other box, we, we're never getting it. That's potential, I think, exactly what you say in that. Colin, you know, Starfield was kind of the guy at the middle of the VAR controversy because he's given away a penalty. He's not, I don't think, you know, looked at. When it does get looked at, you know, it needs to be a clear and obvious error in the referee's part because he's pointed to the spot already. Whereas John Beaton could have taken his time, went and had a look at it first before pointing to the spot. But right away, you know, he points to the spot, so it then needs to be a clear and obvious error. And I think if I'm right, it's might even be Starfield's shot that comes off Golson's Hands, um, what, what is your take on both incidents? Um, Starfield first. If you look at the, the sort of build up to the Starfield incident, as I was saying to you guys before he came on, um, Starfield's actually got a hold of the jersey at first and he lets it go just before you get into the box. So that was the first claim that I'd seen for the penalty. So if you're going to bring it back to that, it was a free kick on the edge of the box. But the fact that he then goes into the box, for me, the, the issue there was that Starfield didn't stay in his feet as soon as he dives in you give the referee the chance to give that penalty against you and we've known what John Beaton's like he doesn't need a second opportunity to give a penalty against Celtic we've seen it time and time again and that's not a conspiracy it's not anything just look at some of the decisions he's gave against us over the years Um, and as you said the fact that it goes to VAR they've got to prove that it was a complete and utter mistake from the referee's part and referees in Scottish football, they've given penalties like that, not just against us but against other teams, if that isn't given right away, I don't think that is overturned into a penalty because as you say, the, the foot is caught on to Starfelt's he's already going down the fact that Starfelt slides in then brings him down even further, but I don't think that's a penalty I don't think there's contact there for the tackle to be a foul, I wouldn't say anywhere else in the park. And I think, as I said, if it wasn't given right away, I don't think it would have been given by VAR. Lawrence, what's your take on it? You know, we've spoken a lot on here about VAR, but I think yesterday again, it, it, it proved a, you know how, how bad it is. Um, and, you know, the penalty for me is a penalty. But it was surprising, no, too many Celtic players actually claimed to it. But looking at it, and again... Is it a case, and I want to ask you this, that after the World Cup, they've had a meeting and said, oh, with a handball rule, we'll change it and be a wee bit more lenient because, you know, we were getting a penalty against us with Burnham against Indy United, the O'Reilly one. There's a list, an endless list. You were possibly odds on to get a penalty against Celtic before the break. But even if they have changed the rules, you know, during the World Cup, there's been absolutely zero communication to that as paying football fans. Nah, there's no way that they've changed the rules. I, I think it's the... I mean, VAR in itself, out at, outside of one team, it does you know, seem to be being used and th- things are being reviewed and it should result in more penalties, you know, because it's, it's there to pick up mistakes. But I think it's 
you know, there's a litany of incidents that happen at Ibrox that just don't get reviewed where the players have handled the ball in the box. And it just doesn't go to a bad review. The ref doesn't even need to go and have a look at it. And you, you just, what is it about a Rangers player handling the ball in the box that the ref doesn't need to see it a second time to decide it's not a penalty? You know, is that just a default position? Not a penalty. It's hand to ball. For me, mm-hmm. the only thing he's not done is caught it. You know, the argument should maybe have held that, be getting both hands on it. <laughs> but we have got a point if he'd have held it? I doubt it. <laughs> you know, it's, and, and why the refs just refuse to look at these instances, it's probably the most frustrating thing. You, you're going to go, it's a subjective decision, ref, you're meant to go and view this. It's not, it's not his job, Lawrence. Did you not hear? I, I was just about to come on to that, Colin. But we've, I don't know if everybody's seen the video clip, but we were talking about that before we came on. It's not up to me, mate, or something along the lines he says, isn't right. it? Which I think sums up John Beaton's performance in that, that game. You know, it's not up to me. You know, the, the, the man that's today for you in the middle of it. And again, Lawrence, you were, uh, sorry, Colin, you'd said before we came on, uh, tell the listeners about the, was it the Aberdeen game you were talking about, the VAR, where it was set up? Aye, so the Aberdeen game, I don't know if anyone's seen it on Twitter, but basically they found a sort of, what would you say, an old surveillance style black van on one of the main roads in Aberdeen. Uh, with the doors open and the game's been shown, and that is where the VAR was based. So instead of it being like in um, England, where it's all based at St George's Park or wherever else it is, it seems to just be in a sort of local area not too far away from the ground. So if you see a black van kicking about maybe the Celtic Park area, then you'll know who's in there watching, giving maybe a penalty or not a penalty. Probably not a penalty if it's in Celtic. Uh, most likely. Colin. Um... See, see, going back to that on the, the actual penalty incident, I've, the fact that you're sitting here and Chris Boyd said it was a penalty, Sean hmm. Maloney says it was a penalty, all these people who previously have maybe said I'm unsure about that. Especially they, Chris Boyd. I especially Chris Boyd. I mean, really that, that must have really hurt him to say that yesterday. Hmm. Um, I don't understand what it is because, yes, there's the, the sort of IFAB rule where if you're protecting your face, it's meant to be that it's not a penalty, right? I totally understand that. But he looked as if he was about to spike the ball back over the net at volleyball yesterday. A big volleyball player, aye. He was making himself as big as possible to try and block the ball. So that, for me, when you've got to take a second look at that, there's there's no other way it can be seen. I, and I even the, the direction of the ball calling the way it goes, you know, it goes up in the air when he does it. You know, it's not yep. as if it, you know, I think that's but something that, else, that, you know, I'd have to be It's a penalty. It's the refusal to even consider looking at the screens to decide this. Rangers, and that's why they call him there as well. The box. Yep. We'll not even that, look at it. You know, and that's Colin in his ear. Lawrence saying, don't even bother looking at it. I'm telling you, it's not a penalty. Which... But, but look at Hips. Hips were reaching. Again, another player handled the ball in the box. Rangers player. See when you take a look at it. See when you do look at it, right? Every time they go to the, the VR screen in the stadiums, they, they change their mind because they've seen it twice. Now, as fans we get to see it how I mean, how many times did we get to see that in <coughs> at least a dozen, if not more? Right? And at the time if you're thinking, right, maybe it wasn't a penalty first time off, by the time you see it again, then there you go, you're thinking, right, well, I never saw that in real time, but now that I've had the chance to review it, it is a penalty. So if we've got the opportunity to do that and the facility is there for the referee to do that as well, 
then it has to be taken, no matter what this person's saying in the, their ear. Because at the end of the day, who's going to get the blame for that yesterday? John Beaton. Now, really what's he going to turn around and say? Oh, it wasn't me, it was the guy in this, the black van sitting outside on Paisley Road West. No, we know it's, it's not up to him. So it wasn't his fault at all, so, was it? You know? why, are these guys, why are these guys getting paid the best part of £1,000 to shut out of making these decisions? That's it. That's exactly well, it. Well, so it's always a ref's final decision. He can say to the bar, no, I'm going to go and have a look at this. You, you, you know, it's always, I mean, always something's happened in the box that's a subjective decision and he's decided not to look at it. But it's not just John Beaton. The, the, the amount of refs that, you know, have done it, let's be honest, four Rangers since they've come in, they've just, we'll just not look at it. You know, and if you don't look at it, you're not going to give the decision, are you? It's just a refusal to actually use the technology when a handball happens in a box from a Rangers player. You know, you'd expect Celtic to be calling out sooner rather than later, but it's, it's almost week in, week out. You know, I think it Beale's first few games in charge, it looks like Golden, for the winner, uses his arm to play, play the ball to Arfield, arguably rescues some points against Hibs. You know, Hibs could have been three one up if the penalty's given. It's just, you know, it appears that they'll review decisions against other teams, just not against Rangers. It's, which, know, is, I, which is evident in facts, Lawrence, because they've not considered a penalty at all this season. Yeah, and it's not that they've not handled the ball in the box or committed fouls in the box. It's just that, yeah, they've not been given. And I said this at a time long before we were talking about when VAR was coming in. Scottish football was not ready for it. No. Because the still, referees... Still not get, it's not got the no. referees to perform it. The, the referees are such a poor level in Scotland. And we saw it before VAR came in earlier in the season. Some of the decisions that were getting made across the league. We're seeing it now, now that they've got this technology. You have to bring in referees from other leagues that have used this technology before excuse me, to train our referees on the best case of how to use the technology that's in front of them. Because, okay, the English League took a long time to get it right, but now they have. And you take a look at that Liverpool-Brentford game yesterday, and each of the decisions that went to VAR was correctly given. Now, you go to Germany, where they take a matter of seconds to get it right as well. Mm -hmm. They've done it in the MLS, they've done it in loads of different leagues across the world. When they're bringing it into a new league, these experienced heads should be the ones to come over to help implement it so that you can actually train the referees up to this certain standard. Because it just looks as if you've given somebody that's totally incapable of actually refereeing a proper game this extra technology and they're, they're just, they don't know what to do with it. As you're oh, saying, if you've got the technology oh, there, if you look at that screen again yesterday... Is it because you don't know that that's part of your job to go and do it? Or the thing is, they do know. Look at the Hearts penalties given against us. They do know how to use it. Did you, you know, there's no, no argument. I mean, there's been numerous penalties given since VAR's been introduced. They do know how to use the technology. But it's just when one team's involved, they refuse to use it. So, you, you, you know, you can't say, what was it, two penalties in the Hearts game? You know, there's a retake. They definitely knew, know how to use VAR. And they know how to implement it. And you've had it in other games, you know, the penalties, you know, it's what, 0.62 penalties a game since VAR comes in. The penalties have been up. They know how to use the technology. There's no argument about that. It's being used. It's not being used when it involves a certain team. That's the argument. And it's, as Declan says, the facts speak for themselves in that. 
lonely till not you can see the pen. You know, mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of Ookla speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. And they refuse to review these decisions that involve them. I think that's positive that there's something but both you're saying because Colin, I always kind of look at it. I mean, the Scottish Cup's going to be an example as when we play Morton that we are going to be in the telly but we've got VAR in, right? And I think Dundee United play, is it University of Stirling or whoever yeah. that they've got? And unless Dundee United want to foot the bill or tell University of Stirling to pay up, they'll not have VAR. Mm-hmm. So that even tells you about how seriously, you know, the ACAFE in terms of the cup competitions, taking VAR, that if you're not on the telly because of the cost, you foot the bill or you've no got it type thing. And then obviously the lower league clubs who don't have the technology already installed won't have it c- completely. So even then as a balance of how seriously are you taking this at the top level of VAR? Because you've got a Scottish Cup competition, which again, if you're looking at a team like Darvo who's got Aberdeen, if there's a decision in that game, which you know could have taken the game to a replay, could have taken Darvo through into the next round of the way Aberdeen are playing just now, you know, that's going to cost teams what oh, could be livelihoods at stake and whatever else is. Mm-hmm. Again, that's that argument in for it. And what Lawrence says there, they have went, they've used it, and in a particular case with a particular team that they just don't look at situations, um, we'll, we'll draw the big line under VAR there. I think we've, we've <laughs> covered it enough uh, in terms of that, because I'm sure everybody will be talking about it all week. Lawrence, to, on a lighter note, Maida, what a finish. You know, he's had his critics at Celtic. I've always been one who try to back him as much. Um, Tony is in the comments who everybody seems to have caught on with that catchphrase, you know, thank you, guys, and eh? Um, so it was certainly a case of thank you guys and when he put that ball in the back of the net yeah striker's finish eh? maybe Liam's right maybe he is a striker because he finished like a striker uh, I tell you what if I was Bale I'd be taking strips off tabbing you he used to pull them down you know Goldson's cover <laughs> you, you, you know and so but you, you know I suppose that that's what the Rangers to worry about but yeah crack and finish yeah, fully merits his uh, place in the team. The World Cup seems to have done him the world of good. Mm-hmm. Lord, Colin, sure. but we sure took it. It was a great finish, but I think Lawrence is right. I think, you know, Captain Fantastic, he likes a shout at everybody else, oh. apart from his cell. Um, and it's an old mate, Alfredo, who is a cracking assist somehow, and he dies in his feet, but he's still got a hell of a lot to do. And it, just the way he runs at that Rangers defence, it's a great finish at the end of it as well. I mean, when you look at it back, that ball's Tavernier's to win every single day of the week. And he, he bricks it. He totally bricks it with Maeda coming at him. And then with the sort of momentum that Maeda's got, he gets himself right into the box and out comes McGregor and he just slots it under him. And the confidence that this guy's got from having such a good World Cup is pivotal because I think for me, Maeda is very much a confidence-based player. Um, and I think when you see him, when he's having a good couple of games, the head's up, he gets himself involved a lot more 
Um, he's coming down the left-hand side yesterday. He had Tavernier in his back pocket yesterday alongside his keys. He was just unbelievable for the first 25, 30 minutes. Um, some of the balls that he was putting across were outstanding. And I think we've found where his best position is in that um, team. It's not necessarily as a, a natural winger. It's not necessarily as a natural striker. But it is in that forward position where he's got the free reign to sort of close down the defenders. He's got the free reign to come in on the goalkeeper to just be a nuisance in that area because he'll pick up the loose balls. If teams want to play out from the back and Celtic are pressing them, there is going to be loose balls. He is going to pick them up. He's going to get the opportunity to drive forward. And the one thing that I thought last season and the start of this season that was missing out his game was his composure. And ever since the World Cup, I mean, the goal against Hibs, unbelievable. The composure to put that in the back of the net yesterday. He's not the finished article yet, Declan, and he's still relatively young as well. So if we can continue to help him develop, I think we've got a great player on our hands, but we're going to have to accept that his inconsistency is going to come through and we're just going to need to enjoy him when he's playing at this level at the minute. And that's it about him, Colin. You know, as you say, that there is inconsistencies in his game. You can see that. But for me, and I keep going back to it ever since he signed last year, his work rate and his desire to work hard in your team, I think just makes him a really, really important player for Celtic. Ange knows exactly what he gets out of him. A couple of comments coming in here on him. Quinny's came in to say dies in his confidence. Momentum, I think that's certainly something you've seen in his game when he does get a run of games. Uh, you, you see him get better and better. And Alan Robertson coming in to say, Maida, it's full of confidence, love his work ethic. Lawrence, I've not been on since the Hibs game um, and I really didn't think he had that in his locker, that, that strike through there. And yesterday again, you know how many times have we probably seen dies and go through one and one with a goalie? and either sky it, miss it, head it off the goalkeeper, something. But, but that yesterday was absolute pinpoint perfection. And he seemed to really annoy a couple of people in that, that corner between the, the Govan stand and the Copeland. Yeah. Listen, this is the games you want to be doing. It's, it's the bigger games, isn't it? You want to be able to do that. Since the World Cup, it's not looked back. He has that header against Hibs. You know, it doesn't go in, but... And then he just... Gets a hold of that ball and, and, and what a shot. And um, yeah, he's just carried it on into this game. So if he keeps finishing like this, yeah, he, he, he's going to be uh, coming up with scoring charts, isn't he? And he is undroppable for, for the work rate, for everything he gives us. He's just in the embodiment of what Ange wants players that don't stop. And really pacey, but what Tavernier's doing, you just take, you charge with the ball, you take the forward out, you know. It's early in the game. I, I doubt it. Plus, it's John Beaton. Probably, you know, there's no chance of getting a yellow card. Crazy, but uh, yeah, maybe it just goes by him if he's not there. And Goldson didn't make much attempt either. And yeah. and just a class finish, wasn't it? And you know, it should have put us on easy street. And, and it seemed to do up until Hart as he's uh, dalliance mm-hmm. in the moment. Yep. And Colin, you know, it couldn't have been a better start for Celtic at that point in time. You're thinking you, you wanted to go there, you wanted to get the early goal. It's a great finish. And then, you know, you really want us to kick on. We went there before, um, not as early as that, but Edward getting that goal in the 2 2 0 game. Obviously, we bounced right back in April time um, through Big Rogic. Um, but, you know, it couldn't have been any better start. And a few people's even coming in here to say that. Um, Maeda and Moy um, both improved post World Cup. Certainly impressed by Adam Moy when he came on for the 
the, the bench yesterday. Um, and again, you know, we heard the manager talk about a certain number of players, you know, coming back and being important for the second half of the season. I think Haksabanovic is another one of those. Um, Abelgard was in that conversation before. It looked as though he was heading back um, to his parent club. But, you know, even for Dyson Maeda, is it possible the case that he's just one of these players that needs to get started in a season? Because we saw him off the back of a full season for us, you know, when he signed in, in January time. Um, is he just maybe a, a slow start and when he gets up to that level, you'll get yourself a cracking player in your hands? I, I think so. And as I was saying earlier, I think he is pretty much a confidence player. As you see, last season he came in off the back of, what, 29 goals in the Jai League? Um, and then scores on his debut, things like that. That's going to keep your confidence going, and he popped up with the odd goal here and there. I think he ended up with, what, eight in the second half of the season last year, some pivotal goals, especially away at Livingston. Um, and his pace and his work rate um, was one of the things that really won over the fan base right away. Um, and if he can win over the fan base, then you are going to get that time to settle into the team. We were always saying, oh, just wait till we see... Kyogo and Maeda with a full pre-season behind them and yeah they didn't kind of get started that well to begin with but as you say after the World Cup um, Maeda's just been a, a totally different player um, obviously that experience of playing at the best level possible is is great um, and Moy as well, Moy for me yesterday I was really surprised to see Moy dropped um, I thought of the, it was what we needed yesterday, wasn't he? Yeah, I, game. I think if you take a look at the the midfielders at the minute, and I, I, I don't like saying this because I think he is a great talent, but he just maybe needs um, a bit of a rest at the minute is Matt O'Reilly. Mm-hmm. I, I just don't think Matt O'Reilly's been that influential in the games recently. Um, and if I had to pick a midfield yesterday, I'd have probably went with Hattati, McGregor and Moy um, because... Moy is one of these players where I don't think he's got bags of pace, but he has this football and intelligence, and you saw it for the, the equalising goal um, yesterday's just getting into the right positions, putting the ball across, getting into the box, getting into the, the danger area. He, he very, very rarely gives a ball away. He's always looking for the ball. He's always picking the right pass. Um, and I, I just think if we had him for the full 90 minutes yesterday, or even 75 or whatever we could have got out of them, I don't think they would have been as kind of into the game in the second half as what they were, because our biggest problem in the second half was every second ball kept falling to a Rangers player. I'd be one at all with the second and balls. We couldn't, we couldn't get a the ball in the second half, so having someone like Moy in there might have made a bit of a difference. Yeah, and um, he seemed to enjoy, uh, after the match, a couple of players I know for up in the, the Grampian Emerald up in Aberdeen. I don't know why Martin Boyle was up in Aberdeen, um, considering his team would get absolutely scalped in Edinburgh Derby. But he had uh, Moy in the FaceTime after the game, <laughs> and they were singing Aaron Aaron Moy to him, so he seemed to quite enjoy that, um, which I thought was quite uh, cool, you know, these things that happens. And pubs, um, of course, you wouldn't find any of us free um, and pubs would you know gentlemen and I'm not sitting here with a wee bit of a sore head after yesterday oh, but, me neither. No. but we're battering through it um, but but yeah and you know Lawrence you, uh, sorry Colin you say about Moy you know potentially being dropped but something I've not spoken about was what the manager um, mentioned yesterday was the, the sickness bug in our camp um, and that effect on it now Lawrence you said on Friday um, that, that you thought that Ange would play James Forrest but 
you know, I, I certainly don't think he would have touched them had that not have ravaged to our camp, which is the the obvious thing to me that James Forrest for me isn't starting at Ibrox unless there's a, an issue like that, and that is why you didn't see a badder or draw in a start eleven, and Colin it's possibly why. He didn't see Moy, but I think that did play a bit of an effect in our camp yesterday, Lawrence. I, I think Forrest died because of Johnson was behind him. But in a known quantity of how he'd react, mm-hmm. I think defensively, he just gives you much more than a batter. Didn't have his best game, but I think defensively done okay. He probably helped Arsenal Johnson settle into the game. You know, and that was a solid debut. Yeah. From him. So I think James played his part there. Yeah. Wasn't surprised to see him getting subbed off, but if we'd known that Johnson was going to set one like that, would that shoot for Forrest to start? Probably not. Like, you know, you don't know how he's going to handle the game or the atmosphere. Yeah. Saying that, you know. <sighs> there is obviously a bugging round. We weren't at best. There was a few players missing from the bench that you maybe expected there. So, yeah, you know, if they're feeling a bit fatigued or not 100% because of the bug, it's going to could have an impact on how we played, but look at the game back, you know, it's 61% possession. <clears throat> it wasn't a training game up until Hearts, you know, era. We've been lucky to get a penalty. We've been unlucky not to get one. You know, at, at no point did I actually think, you know, they're going to take the three points for us. What was your take and the, the the forest inclusion, I, I certainly think it was due to that reason because if you play Jota, for instance, and that side, he made a, a different stage as well when he came on. He, you know, leads to the the equaliser. But I think Ange really likes that versatility he gets where he plays Maeda and Jota and Benaxabani, which is in that conversation. Forrest can do it too. You know, he can switch wingers around. Rangers said it yesterday when when Juranovic came on, mm-hmm. and when he fired Kane over to that side to to try and give Juranovic even more problems. But I certainly think that that sickness bug caused problems yesterday. But, um, and we spoke about Burnaby earlier. We don't know what his situation is. I know a lot of people say if they're on the bench, they must be fit enough. But you don't know what that's possibly did to the team. And that was something that the manager confirmed before the game that there was that sickness bug, flu bug, whatever it was, going through our team. The thing is, I mean, you saw what happened to the, the French team in the final of the, the World Cup. They were saying that they were ravished with the, the, the flu bug as well. And for the first 60 minutes, um, they were totally out of the game. Uh, and I, I take it it must have been when the old paracetamol, the ibuprofen kicked in. Yeah. That's when um, Mbappe went on to have that, uh, that great game. But, like, games like that yesterday, for me, showed why James Forrest is a good part of the squad, but a good part of the squad at best. And I don't think he's a starter for the games like um, against Rangers. For me, when you take a look at the, the sort of what Jota did when he came on and whether he was ill or if he wasn't ill or if he's recovering from injury or what it was, but that those sort of 15, 20 minutes that he was on, if he, he can offer that at the start of the game, sometimes that's enough just to put the game to bed. I mean, you mm-hmm. saw what happened in the, in the 4-0 game at Celtic Park earlier in the season. The game was put to bed by half-time. Now, if you can only get 45 minutes out of my bed, Jota, then I'd like to have seen that ahead of starting James Forrest. I understand, Lawrence, what you're saying about, obviously, Alistair Johnston's debut. But when you look at the way that Johnston wants to play football, he's very attack-minded. Um, and 
I think the, the sort of combination between them two would have caused a lot of problems for back post Barisic yesterday. Um, I, I just think that um, be, between the two of them, it would have pinned them right back. Um, and Jota, obviously, the, the determination and the drive for that equalising goal from him is outstanding. To think that he starts the attack, plays it in, Moy puts it, sort of tries to put it across. It's um, Jota that's there fighting for the ball with Goldson before it's squared back into Kyogo, who very um, does very well to put his laces through it and put it into uh, the top of the net. So just having that extra wee bit of quality can make the difference. And when you think back to the sort of players that, are, that we've had at Celtic that are kind of similar to, to Jota and the impact that they've had in these games before, you think back to Paddy Roberts when he was here and he played that fantastic ball right through the, the heart of the defence. I think it was to Griffiths, um, yeah, for, for one of his goals. The one that was squared back to uh, Sinclair in the 2-1 game as well. When you've got a team, especially the way that Bill set them up for the last 15 minutes, where, as you're saying, Lawrence, we had a lot of the ball, that's because they took basically every single attacker off and just went, we're 2-1 we're up, we're just going to sit here and defend this. And we've seen this happen with Celtic time and time before, especially in Europe, where we've gave it the last 20 minutes and just went, do you know what, we're winning, we'll just try and defend it, we'll just try and see it out. But when you've got the quality coming off the bench, like uh, a Jota or um, if Haxabanovic was there, these are the guys that can totally um, like change the game. And Jota did that when he came on. Him and Moy, the combination was brilliant. And obviously, Kyogo left on the park for a reason. Takes his goal really, really well. Uh, is that something that... Was form, was he? he was out of form before, this, before the game. I think he's had the bug for, for two weeks, Jota. Jota? I think Jota, as much as he's not been consistently creating assists or scoring goals, I still think he's been a key part of the team, though. I still think that a lot of the attacks come down his side, a lot of the creativity that we do comes down his side as well. Um, and put it this way, if you've got two or three players closing him down, it opens up the space for other players because they know he's the key guy. They know if they can keep him quiet, then it should help them out. But the way that we play football that two, three passes opens it up for someone else to have a crack at goal. Mm. I'd, I'd agree with that in Jota, and I think Lawrence, he's, he's had that bug for two weeks, was something that the manager said even before the game as well. So he might have been struggling potentially um, with that. But Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet, but if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Uh, Yakimakis coming on, Lawrence, would you surprise? Because a, a lot of people probably thought um, with Jackal getting introduced into the game that the manager would have kept, uh, would have taken Kyogo off, but 
he finished at the end's absolutely excellent. I mean, for all the stuff that's went in his direction about him not being clinical enough, if you have a look at his goal scoring record, I, I don't know what that will be now, maybe 15 and 18 or something, calling that. I, I can't mind what yeah. it will be. Yeah. Um, is it 15 and 18? It must be, it can't be far off. I think he was, before this run, he was 10 and 14, so what would be. 13 and 17 or something like that. Yeah, you know? something like that. Somebody tell us in the comments. Somebody will have the, the stats there. But, um, and again, there was everything, you know, he hadn't played well against Rangers, hadn't scored against Rangers. But yesterday was his first proper chance, I would say, at having a good go at Rangers. His first game against Rangers, he's played in the left-hand side. If you remember this season, he gets subbed off for Jackie Marcus. But just in terms of that sub, a lot of people say the manager didn't get it right yesterday. And as I already say, I'm not looking for excuses, but if there's a flu bug going through your team, you're really up against it there. You don't have the options that you maybe would like. But he certainly got it right towards the end of the game because we were chasing an equaliser and we went and got it. And that was probably down to us getting into a kind of 4 2 4 style shape. So you're up until Joe Hart's error. I think everybody would say the manager's got this right. You're closing this. You know, we've come out with 61% of the ball. Yeah. His subs worked. Yeah. I think everybody does. They expect Creole to come off, but you know the manager's decided to leave him on. So I don't think the manager can you know, legislate for for what Joe Hart did or for the non-application of R. You know, he's put a, a team on there that, for me, didn't look like losing it. You know, at the end, I thought there was only one team that had any chance of winning it after we equalised. You know, there's still seven minutes to go. Uh, so, yeah, people criticised Ange for you know being too rigid with his four three three. He shows he you know he doesn't need to do that, and we've we've got the rewards for it. So it, we don't know how, how fit everyone was. He's been forced into it. I suppose given Johnson his debut, which is maybe had some thinking on it. I would have started Moya ahead of O'Reilly. O'Reilly didn't give as as much as expected going forward, but defensively was pretty good and. You know, Rangers like high balls into the box. We weren't not, not that tall a team. Maybe that's why O'Reilly started. Just to the big switch as well. You always hear them going for that big switch diagonal thing that they like. It's always the same right. ball. And it's like, I know this again. But but just in terms of that, Lawrence, you know, as you say there, when he brought Yakimakis on, and it showed that we've got that flexibility. But we know that manager does like a 4 3 3, but it is there to show Colin and, you know, with his performance coming on yesterday. It didn't have too much of an impact in the game, Yakimakis, but I think it's important when you do that. You know, you're giving yourself a better opportunity at getting a goal. Um, but, you know, it was great for that to happen. And I think ultimately, you know, going into our last kind of 10 minutes here, the, 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 the fact is clear that we're still nine points clear. And, you know, Stevie here's coming in to see everyone, even when we're not firing in all cylinders, we still get a result. And as I said at the start of the show, Colin, to me, it was just important that we went to Ibrooks and our nine-point advantage wasn't touched or it was extended. And that's how we, we left. And it's 13 games until the split and eight of them are at Celtic Park, which puts you in an absolutely fantastic position. I don't like to be the person that says the title race is over because I think it's just premature to do that. But Celtic's in a hell of a good position to go and win two in a row here. Absolutely. I mean, this time last year, obviously, we were in the, the midst of the winter break. Um forced winter break or whatever you want to call it, right? What happened this time last year is we were roughly about six points behind after the St Mirren game. Um, and I remember being on the show with Kevin and with um, with Brian on the Wednesday and 
they're sitting here saying, oh, do you know, it's going to be a, a struggle. We've got to try and get and win every game between now and then. This is, in my opinion, the title was in our hands at that point. There were still three games against them. And as simple as it sounds, what, what I said then was just go and win every game. Now, <laughs> it's easier, easier said than done to go and win every single game. But when you look at the second half of the season... We weren't far off that. The way that we played the second half of the season last year, we just went in and took every game as it was and tried to get the three points. And if you continue to do that, then that nine-point lead that we've got just now, it'll be a lot higher by the time the end of the season comes. Because we are a team, and if you look at it over the last, what, 12 months or so, we've lost one game out of 38. It's a ridiculous record that we've got. And the one thing about Ange is he doesn't let the team get too far ahead. He's always concentrating on who's the next team and how do we beat them. And it's it's a great thing to have as part of this team that everybody wants to beat us because we are beating everybody at the minute. For me, the title is out of their hands. They've only got two chances left against us to try and get the points off us. I, I, I don't see any other way for them to come back into this and I think a lot of their fans are accepting that now as well because they're coming out with this facade about how next year will be different next year, next year, next year they've already written off this season and as you see, don't want to be the person to say the, the, the title's kind of wrapped up but the way that Celtic's playing just now, it's going to take a massive, massive shift in the way that Scottish football's been over the last 12 months or so for something um, to, to change the way or the direction of the title this season. Yeah, and it'd be a, a seismic collapse from our point of view if we, you know, let go a nine-point league, which in you know reality is basically a ten-point league because I think, was it plus 20 goal difference or something? Yeah. We've got over Rangers at this point in time, so that's worth another point into the mix. But I totally agree with you, Colin, that it's, it's within Celtic hands to go and do, and I, I think just looking at that before the split, eight of those games been at Celtic Park, five been away. I think the toughest place we're probably going to have to go is Tannadice. Tannadice, yeah, Ross County as well. Ross yeah. County. Um, I know we've done United are looking as if they're maybe going to turn their form round a wee bit, but uh, you know, at this point in time, we're in a, a great position. And you could see yesterday with the approach from Rangers the last 10 minutes of the game, and they're bringing on James Sands, I think, for a midfielder. Um, and putting them into that kind of just sitting in front of the, the back four and then bringing on Scott Wright over I think Morelos when they went off rather than, than Cholak um, they wanted to just see it out and mm-hmm. I think we all thought they had Celtic beat and certainly yesterday um, that, that wasn't the, the case Celtic at that point restored the nine point advantage as it was um, and we, we left fairly I think content with our, our afternoon's performance after not being at our best but Lawrence that ties us in you know, for the last five minutes or so here I'll be saying to both you guys on air, I, I was one of the fortunate ones lucky enough to be at Ibrox yesterday for the game. Um, and th- th- there was, once again, um, Celtic su- su- supporters pelted by by missiles throughout the game. Coins, lighters, um, and particularly one guy with, with a half bottle of Buckfast. Um, what point are we at now with this? You know, we've said on here before about ticket allocations and whatever else, but we knew last season in April that Rangers couldn't, um, protect Celtic club staff. You know, remember the bottle coming on to go Hazel Hart's goal mouth. There was a Celtic staff member hit by a missile at the tunnel. 
in April and now again this to add to it um, Wayne is enough, is is enough. Scott, Scott Brown was attacked on the pitch and the guy was put back in the stands to watch the rest of the game Lee Griffiths had Barty thrown and taken a corner kind of, on Friday was saying you know what are they going to do different is this just deemed an acceptable risk by the SFA or the SPFL Police Scotland by Rangers are they doing anything different to protect these fans if they've done something different it doesn't seem to work if they haven't done anything different, surely they've left themselves open to be sued by the fans that have been injured. Because this was a known risk with the stuff that you've put in place. It's happened numerous occasions. If you aren't changing anything, you're more or less saying, yeah, this, will, this is going to happen. And when it happens, you don't really read about anyone, you know, last season, you didn't read about anyone being arrested for the glass in Joe Hart's penalty box. There's maybe CCTV all over that stand they know who who's in the seats they seem to yeah you, they should be able to identify these individuals but the fact they don't seem to be able to do anything to make it safer or, or, or to, to hold this uh, you know if I'm a Celtic fan it's injured I'd definitely be taking the court and saying well look it's happened numerous times before you don't seem to be doing anything different you seem to be just saying well this is what happens if you if you have to come to Ibrox as an away fan, and I believe it happens, you know, to Hibs fans as well. But yeah, and other party Fissel fans and whatever years going by, I think they've been pelted with stuff. Yeah, but aside from that, you know, can I get back to what you're talking about and say the league is over? And you know, they've got nine players free to sign for other clubs, show no commitment. That the two superstars that are worth apparently them barely dollars. You know, one of them scored a, a decent goal. I think. Was that his first goal in 26 games that this world beat her? The league's done. You, you, you know, everybody knows it's done. Even your dog knows it's done. That's what he's agreed. Listen, John Beaton thought Celtic were beat, but you know, he couldn't stop the apostle club or the that. No matter what, some you know, commentators say the league's over. Lawrence thinks it's over, Colin. But just back to you know fan behaviour. Um, at previous fans forums, something that was discussed and I think put to to Rangers from Celtic was a potential kind of net going over mm-hmm. Celtic fans to to ensure a safety. And there was some kind of nonsense put back to them about the structure of the stadium and the weight of it and blah blah blah. And um, but I think when this continues to happen, you know, I, I'm not saying I wouldn't go back because I go there to support my team. Um, as did everybody else yesterday, but you know you're starting to now think to yourself, is it worth it for for some people? You know, and there was another an older gentleman who'd get hit right in the eye by something at the end of the game. You know, I think because so many Rangers fans had stayed in like previous times, if they'd beaten us, we'd kind of made our way out. If we'd won the game comfortably, they'd already made their way out because there was so many in the stadium at the end of the game. They just seemed to go absolutely tonto with stuff. A lot was coming for that govern stand. And the Brimland. You see, to be honest, we're at the point now where I would tell them to ram their t- ticket allocation up their backside. I think it's a farce that what they've turned this into. Um, if they don't go back to the way it was previously, which to me, and I, I believe if you speak to any specific um, or any police officer with half a brain, they'll tell you that having the full stand is a lot safer than putting 700 people in a corner. Because it was a lot easier to police, it was a lot easier to um, kind of navigate. The fact that you had to turn up at ten o'clock yesterday to get in for a, a twelve thirty kickoff tells you how 
ridiculous this whole yeah. thing is. And just to actually add into that conversation, Celtic fans have been told to the car park. So to give everybody an idea of this, behind the Brunlin is a car park there and it was open from 9.30 yesterday. By 10 o'clock it was full. So there's a car park facility in place that isn't, you know, it can't accommodate 700 cars at minimum. That's how many cars it should accommodate. So cars were then parked along the road um, and then come about half past 10, 22, 11, we were kettled back into the car park with, with police officers and horses telling us to get back, even though they'd let everybody stand out in the street. There then became a ring of horses around every Celtic fan. Um, as well as police officers in front of the horses and then much like the game in April they went with the same tactic of using two horses' heads to filter fans into the stadium um, which is the most farcical thing I think I've ever seen it's been happening at Tannadice, Fur Park, Ibrooks twice I don't get it if you talk to any of the police officers with the colourful hats who are the, the top dogs they, they won't shift in their position on it. They say the plans have been made in place before the game. Nothing changes. So it's then everybody pushed into a small area of space, which could cause a crush. I thought yesterday, you know, that was at 20 to 11. If that was a midweek game and it was lashing a rain and it was dark, it would be even worse. Um, and there was nobody pushing, but the police were making the situation worse. So once you get past these two horses' heads, it was then a multitude of stewards between two steel walls before you actually get into the game and then you get all that crap after. Yeah, I mean, um, you're paying 50 quid for the pleasure of this as well. Mm. It's not as if you're just turning up because it's part of it's on your book or whatever. It's 50 odd quid every single time. It's, it's getting to a stage where it's ruining the game for a lot of people. That I mean, no one should go to the game and come back with an injury like that yesterday. Yeah. We're, we're simply one bad policing mistake away from another disaster at Scottish football. And on the day where we're remembering those that went to the football and didn't come home, and stuff like this is still happening in 2023, it's a complete farce and Scottish football should take a look at itself. If they can't provide safety for 700 fans, then it has to go back to the way it was before. And if it doesn't go back to that, then tell them to ram it. Absolutely ram it. It's a bad situation that we've got in because the, the, the derby spectacle, I think, especially for, for Sky Sports and whatever, just to always look good when you had a big number of away fans in the ground. Um, and, you know, people who have complained about the policing at the games, people who have been hit with the bottles, the guy standing beside me, uh, had been hit one of the previous times and the, the police officer have told him he should adduct, which was their approach back to it. So they're, they're not caring at all. Um so it's a really bad situation that I think we've got ourselves into. And even after the game, they get held in the bit that you came out of. They had the street shut, so they wouldn't let you back to your car. It's just a complete farce. Um, and it really has got to that that point. Um, thanks to everybody for tuning in um, on this Tuesday after the game. Really, really appreciate how many people tuned in, over 800 Collins and Aris, I know you need to head off too. So to everybody who's joined in, Lawrence Collins, thanks for joining me. We'll be back um, all day this week in the build-up to the St. Mar- the Kilmarnock game. Uh, don't know where I get St. Martin from, covering that. So thanks to everybody for joining us. Hail, hail, and again, enjoy the rest of your new year and we'll be back again tomorrow. Cheers.
mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. This week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct to Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 Network.